Welcome to Talking Sense. I'm Mark Osorio. And I'm Teresa Arago. We're financial advisors, and if there's one thing we understand, it's that money can be confusing. So get ready, because we're breaking down what you don't know about money today on Talking Sense. Okay, so I'm going to have to confess that I felt a little embarrassed the other day when I was reading this article about how big employers are reopening uh, and planning, uh, you know, stages of, Mm -hmm. and the planning stages of bringing people back to their offices. Uh And it said that they're bringing back uh, people to their IRL offices. And I was like, what does that mean? So I had to look it up (laughs) and guess what it means? In real life, I imagine. In real life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can't really make fun of you too much because when I first joined Gen Wealth, I was obviously not licensed like you were. And I spent the first year with a little notebook that anytime someone used an acronym or a word I didn't understand, I would just write it down and then go look it up because I didn't want to have to interrupt every single meeting. Yeah. And yeah. it took me Happens a full year to figure out what CYA meant because <laughs> I thought it was an industry term. And I found out I was wrong. If you don't know it, you can email me later. But yeah, I can't be too mad at you for it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I felt really dumb, obviously, which is how I'm sure a lot of people feel whenever they listen to finance podcasts Mm -hmm. or their advisor, uh, you know, talk about uh, all the finance jargon and acronyms that normal people don't use in real life. Yeah. And I'm just going to be honest. We get that way sometimes, even with those things. So here at Talking Sense, we're all about tearing down barriers that keep people in the dark about Mm -hmm. finances. So today we're going to cover a common finance phrase that gets thrown around a lot. It's called dollar cost averaging. Mm -hmm. You probably hear it. You've probably heard your friends talk about it if they're trying to sound smart about, you know, their 401k. I'm DCAing that. Oh, yes. I'm sure they do that a lot. I don't. Um, But, you know, a lot of talking heads in our industry use that term. And if you've never uh, truly understood it, we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to learn about it. So no worries. Today's your chance to scoop up what they're putting down Mm -hmm. and and sound very smart in your next conversation about it. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So this is the basic definition, right? So the basic idea is that it's investing a certain amount of money into the same fund, stock, or ETF, whatever the investment is, at regular intervals, regardless of the investment's price. And a lot of people are already doing this. If you have an employer plan, there's a certain amount per pay period that's coming out of your check, going into your employer plan. And so you're actually already doing this, most likely, if you consistently invest. But mm-hmm. the key is that same amount mm-hmm. over a consistent period of time. And yeah, regardless of the investment's mm-hmm. price, which again, kind of like you said, most people are already doing this, but what's, what's the purpose or, or why, why is this you know, a thing? So the whole point of doing this is to increase your chances of making a profit over the long term. You're making investments at different points in time. So the idea would be that it lowers the cost basis. Here's another jargon term, mm-hmm. but I'll get to it in a second. Um, it's helping you get a better deal. So think of the market like a roller coaster. Ultimately, it's going up, typically, historically, but it's not just a straight line. It's this zigzag, constant up and down on its way up. So if you're consistently putting into the market, there's a good chance that from time to time, you're catching those lower or middle points. You're not always catching the highs in the market. So if you find those shares that you need on sale because the market is down, then even if they just recover to where they were you know, a month earlier, you've got more shares than you got the previous month. Right. So if your $100 a month was buying 10 shares normally, and then that share price dips, you might be able to get 20 shares or 50 shares, depending on how far it dips. Yeah. So it just allows you to build up your share pool 
and then over time, hopefully earn more. Yeah. So just a, a simple example that I can think of is, you know, at, whenever you buy a car, for example, mm-hmm. the cost that that, uh, you know, manufacturer uh, pay to to make that car, right? If they can reduce the cost, right? Mm-hmm. And then sell it for more, then that increases their profit margins, right? Yes. So in the same way, the cost, let's say for an investment, the lower that, that you have or the lower cost that you can get on it, then that means whenever you sell it, uh, you'll you have, have to a work larger as hard margin. to get a, a gain. Absolutely. Exactly. And it takes away the stress and anxiety of trying to time the market. That is probably one of the biggest mistakes that I feel like investors make is trying to time the market. And if you don't know what that means, then that's where people try to figure out when the market's hitting its lows to buy and then sell when it's at its top. But if you are like most people, you probably have sold a stock too soon or held onto it too long. Mm -hmm. If you've ever done that before, tried to day trade or things like that. Look, we wish that we were great stock pickers and we knew when to buy and sell, but there is no telling what the market is going to do even in a given day if you're dealing with specifically stocks those jump all the time even throughout the day so it is very difficult nigh impossible to do that right over the long haul this just says okay you know what i can't control the price but by golly i can control my consistency right and i'm just going to keep at it exactly control the controllables mm-hmm. right so that takes emotion out of investing and uh, lastly one of the things that i think i found most most valuable in this is that it doesn't demand large sums of money to be effective. Yes, you can start, you know, as a new investor, it's just about getting started. You know, a lot of people will come into our office and we'll be talking about opening IRAs as part of their plan, maybe. And they'll say, well, you know, how should we do this? Because, you know, I get a, maybe a bonus in, in a certain month and, and should we just wait and fund it all at one time? What we typically will encourage people to do is pick a number, look at your budget and pick a number that you know you can consistently do because we want them to benefit from this as much yeah. as possible. So if that number, you know, the most you could put in if you're under age 50 is basically 6,000 a year. So if you were doing it monthly, that would be 500 a month. If you're going, there's no way I could do $500 a month. That's okay. Yeah. Maybe you could do two. Maybe you could do 50. You can do something. Right. And whatever that number is that you can do consistently, let's start there. And then if you get a bonus or you get a big tax return that you weren't expecting, something like that, then you can shore up and get your full 6000 in there over time. But that consistently consistency is truly, truly important for long-term investing. Now, I did say I was going to circle back to something and I didn't do it. So I do want to cover that real quick. I used yep. the word cost basis earlier. Okay. Yes. Cost basis is our fancy way of saying, what'd you pay for it? Mm-hmm. So if you bought a share of something and it cost you $25 that's your cost basis. When you go to sell it, the gain is whatever the difference is between what you paid for it and what it's worth when you sell it. So that can be positive or negative, but cost basis is simply what you paid. And if there was any fees involved in paying for that investment, that adds to the cost basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about what it is. We've talked about the purpose of it. But I do want to make sure we explain because we're using a lot of words. We're talking through this kind of quickly. I want us to slow down a second and share, you know, in our last episode, we told you we were going to talk about cows. So I want to make sure we're true on that. Um, yeah. and, and if you're one of my clients and you're listening, you know, if, I, if you call me and we're talking about the market being down, I'm going to remind you we're buying cows. So <laughs> let's go through that. What we use when we're trying to teach people, we feel like word pictures are very helpful so that you can remember things just like we were, you know, in our last episode, we're talking about fee base versus commissions. We talked about Netflix versus Walmart as opposed to 
trying to use the jargon. So we're yeah. going to do the same thing here. And one way we do that is through the cow story. Do you want to go through that or you want me to? No, sorry, I'm just laughing because I keep you know thinking about the the cow, the moose sounds at the last episode. I don't know where they got those from, <laughs> by the way, that, but they yeah, sound yeah. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, so the cow story, basically what we talk about is if you were to have access to a field that you owned and you decided you want to be a dairy farmer, you cannot control the price of cows when you go to buy them but you can control your consistency. Now we're using fake numbers here because I like easy math, okay? I know cows aren't this cheap, but we're gonna go with it. If you had $100 a month to go buy cows and you go out there to the market to buy those cows and the first month cows are $10 a piece, then you get to put 10 cows in your field. Now, if you go back the second month and those cows at the market are now $5 a piece, the first thing you gotta remember is you don't wanna panic about the cows you bought last month. They may not be worth as much to sell right now, but your goal was to get cows, to buy cows. So the fact that that they're down means you get to buy more cows. Now, let's say you go back that third month and cows are now $2 a piece at the market. CNN is going to be telling you the cow market is in the tank. Sell it. Go buy chickens. Something like that because, you know, they love headlines. And maybe your spouse is thinking you are out of your mind. You now have 50 cows that you bought this month. 20 the prior month and 10 the first month. So you have 80 cows that if you were to try to sell them at this point, you'd only be able to get $160 out of them, but you've spent 300. Yeah. So this would be like 2008 or maybe mid-March in 2021 where people are going, man, my 401k is down. So what's your cost basis there? The cost basis there would be 300 because Mm -hmm. that's what you spent on the cows. Their value would be at 160 at that point. But let's say the market just simply recovers over the next couple of months. No gains, just gets back to where it was. And so the next month you were able to buy 20 again. And the fifth month you're able to buy 10. Okay. So now you would have $500 worth of cost basis because that's Mm -hmm. what you've spent on them. You would have 110 cows in your field that are worth $10 a piece. Well, now you've got $1,100 worth of cows Mm -hmm. because even those ones you bought at $2 are now worth 10 that's how dollar cost averaging wins. You are trying to populate your field with as many cows as possible in every given month, which means that when you're being consistent in your employer plan or your IRA or your other investments to add to them, when the market dips, that is your friend. Yeah. By the way, this exact uh, situation happened back whenever COVID uh, mm-hmm. first came on on kind of the scene back in uh, March of 2020, mm-hmm. right? And we saw this, uh, you know, take effect and and really produce great results in mm-hmm. our our clients' accounts, right? Yes. As the market was going going down, we were buying. As it was coming back up, we were buying. Mm-hmm. And the end result was, hey, we've got we've got some ridiculous good gains. gains. It was awesome, and I think it's really important that you remember your purpose when you're trying to accumulate wealth. Your goal is to buy shares. Your goal is not to sell shares. So don't panic when the market, you know, has its gyrations or whatever you want to call them. um, If you're in the process of accumulating. Now, it is important that you be invested well, that you have diversification and a purpose and a plan, because there are the Enrons of the world. You know, company looks great on paper and then the next day they're closed. So individual stocks are a little tricky for that um, if you're working on long term goals. But you certainly can do it still with individual stocks. Absolutely. And now I will tell you just as a little precursor to your retirement, this thing is your nightmare when you enter retirement, because now you're selling those cows. So it's a different approach in retirement. But if you're in that process of saving for retirement, just remember, you're buying cows. You're filling your field. Don't panic every time the market adjusts. Just keep buying those cows. 
Exactly. So one thing that we did want to as well mention, we always talk about research. And so a study by Vanguard shows that dollar cost averaging produces better results for about 66% of the time, right? So two out of three times, mm-hmm. you know, it produces better results than just dropping a lump sum in mm-hmm. and, you know, hoping for the best. And we even saw a research study uh, about six months ago from one of our um, trainers that we were working with. And it even went over like, if you only invested at the highs over the last 15 years, you'd still be in better shape. You know, the the people on TV like to always talk about the all-time highs, right? You know, we've, we've hit an all-time high. Well, mm-hmm. un- until the next one. Yeah. You know, it's not like there's a, a limit to what the market can do. So be cautious of putting too much stock in headlines because they can be very misleading. Yes. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, and that study also found that, you know, lump sum investing does uh, work better the longer the time frame goes. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have, if you're kind of trying to figure that out, you know, then there's kind of the two perspectives on that. And the reality is just invest. Mm-hmm. And stay invested, even if you you lump sums are the reality for your budget. To put in the lump sum is better than to keep it in your savings account and get what point two five percent interest. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about the things to consider whenever looking at lump sum versus you know, uh, dollar cost averaging. So first is the type of account. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in your four hundred one k, can you drop in a lump sum? Not often, no. unless you have like a rollover to bring, um, you're not going to typically have the option of doing that, you know, now in a, um, an IRA account or a non-qualified, which is a fancy way of saying a not an IRA account, um, mm-hmm. you do have the ability to do lump sums there. Yeah. So, so you could got, do it if you've got some cash sidelined for sure. Exactly. The Yeah. And so you just kind of the point there being that if you've got some savings that's uh, and you're wanting to invest that, not going to happen in your 401k. Mm-hmm. Then the fees of investing. It can feel overwhelming when you have a lump sum and you drop money in and then you're using one of those products that has an upfront fee because mm-hmm. it can feel like you lost a lot of money up front. Mm-hmm. Often when we're dealing with a, a larger sum of money, we don't like to use those for sure. So it yeah. can it can it can kind of have a gut check effect to you if you're if you're dropping in lump sums. Whereas if you're doing that monthly dollar cost averaging, it doesn't feel as heavy on you. Yeah. And if you're doing dollar cost averaging and there's a flat fee per transaction, then that might also kind of eat up at your monthly mm-hmm. uh, purchases. So in that scenario, lump sum might be better. But uh, we're running a close to uh, time here. So what are two cents for, for today? If you're planning to invest a lump sum, just think about the worst case scenario of what would happen if the market took a dip right after you invested it. If you're in it for the long haul, don't panic. You've got time. And if you're looking for a way to get started investing but don't have a large sum to drop, dollar cost averaging might be the perfect way for you to build wealth. Thank you for joining us on our show today. We're so happy that we could be on this journey together with you. It's getting down to crunch time on our taxes. If you still haven't filed and don't know where to start, join us next time when we talk about the basics for filing your taxes. Thanks for listening to the Talking Sense podcast. And if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get all the newest episodes. The GenWealth team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And while we like to have fun here, we're also financial advisors. And that means disclosures. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. General Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC.